December 25, 2021. It's the Waffle Pedro Show.
Reed Rochelle, happy Saturday, Mary X. What child is this? Also known as Greensleeves, live in Village Vanguard, 1961, John Coltrane started the show. You sanding shit over there? <laughs> and then we had Lanyard with Lee's Basement, Live 97. You can tell by that sanding and wherever the fuck that was. I am not mad alone, people, because those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention. I got with me Michael Ballard. How you doing? Michael Good. Barker. Michael Barker. I'm there you sorry. go. Now, Mr. Ballard's a similar guy, but wrote crazy <laughs> stories. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Awesome. And my name gets fucked up all the time too. Uh, look, who can we give credit for the cre uh, connect to? Uh, Grux. That's right. No, no, we can't say that. Brutal sound effects group. Oh yeah, there we go. Brutal sound effects. Yes. Right. <laughs> he shall not be named, except he was. <laughs> okay. My bad. Well. No, it ain't. It's okay. Like they say in the courtroom, you can't unring the bell. So, interested in your journey through music, please bring, your, uh, well, whatever earliest musical memories you still retain. Oh, man. The story my mother likes to tell is that I saw Elvis in the womb, um, but I don't, I don't recall that one. Um, mostly That's her backseat. favorite memory. It is her favorite memory. Um, yeah, it might have been a weird time. Summer of 76. I don't know how good that show was, but... Um, I, I graduated in June of 76 from San Pedro High School at Georgia D. Boone. Sweet. Well, I, um, I, didn't, I wasn't in charge of that. I guess I could have failed, but it was just <laughs> my time. And, uh, just yeah, yeah. So, uh, in, uh, what, where, where, uh, in the pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments? No, there wasn't. There was not. And, I, uh, go ahead. I mean, I mostly remember like eight tracks and 45s and some LPs. That was yours? No, they were my parents. That's ah, okay, my first... okay. Because I was an eight-track guy, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely you're talking not. talking yeah. 70s and stuff. Yeah, it's the Columbia House, right? You give them a dime, they give you 10 of them, they send you one a month. If you don't send it back, you got to buy it. No, I definitely kind did of that CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember what Thurston made me get a CD player sometime in the late 80s. He said, what? you got to get one of these. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The pewters after uh, in the 90s could play it, so fuck the CD. Anyway, back to your thing. What what was the first record you bought with your own money? First record I bought, I feel like it was, uh, it was a Surf Punk's cassette in Baltimore and Inner Harbor, Sam Goody. I don't remember remember that. I don't know why. I think I just like the cover. My Beach, My Wave, Go Home, yeah. shit like that. Yeah. I shared a stage once with those cats. Oh, man. I think I they were remember. Malibu. Malibu punk. <laughs> <laughs> and one guy uh, left the band. And he invented cowpunk, right? Scott got he he was K Scott cowpunk got it. It was kind of well, they were new wave, right? And, uh, and actually, I think one of the dudes was the Captain Tennille brother. Yeah, yeah, my God, I have no idea. <laughs> right, right, right. You, <laughs> I mean, I'm picking records from the from the cover, so. Yeah, but with your when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot of money, so that's why I asked that. Question. Sure, sure. Yeah, and and then the first gig you saw, Michael. First gig I saw was uh, 1983 uh, Michael Jackson Thriller Tour. Oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. I wish I could have saw that. It was a bit epic. Um, yeah. Did he do the big fucking creep out dance with the Thriller song? And I, I kind of remember. We were pretty far away. It was RFK Stadium. Oh, yeah. My, D.C. It was with my mom. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I played there funny. once. Yeah, the fucking stage was bigger than most clubs I played. <laughs> I played there, and the fucking Sandman walked away after the first few seconds. I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> I, I was Is one of those like, uh, pay-to-play radio jive phone. H, new H wave a festival gigs. thing? So, yeah. Something, but one good thing job, about that yeah. gig was uh, I got to talk with Joey Ramone backstage, and he was very cool people. He said punk was like a hay wagon. And if you had something, jump on board. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was. And when we played, I remember Chris Kirkwood from the Meat Puppets dressed as a jester with a banjo and no mic, right? He's up there. Okay. He's Marceau, Marceau in it. So uh, what about at school? Were you in the choir, the marching band or shit like that? No, I wasn't. Um, it's okay. I, I wasn't up... either. Yeah, I wasn't. I couldn't. I don't think I could pay attention enough to to sit through it um but yeah i wasn't well marching band you probably didn't on. sit through it so much <laughs> no no true true <laughs> although you might want to because you know especially summertime in those wool suits <laughs> fuck oh man no thanks i know the horror we would dress like pirates right pedro was called the pirates so we dressed like pirates and uh we got calm weather anyway but uh so uh what about the after school thing? Uh not not graduate, but in the afternoon, like garage band, basement band, bedroom band. Yeah, at the end of at the end of high school, that's when I started probably like eleventh grade, somewhere between tenth and eleventh grade I started playing bass. Bass? Yeah, yeah. Now, that why? Was my, it's my instrument. Why? Because everyone else I knew I think played guitar at the time. So you could get a gig easy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that goes way back. In, that goes fucking only, only James Jamerson. He came from stand up. Everybody else was guitar guys to find work. Joe Osborne, Carol Kay. Yeah. Right on. Uh, even Paul McCartney, right? The guy quits. <laughs> right. It's John Lennon's friend. And uh, that's why I thought bass was when I learned, you know, when D Boone's mom put me on. Oh, this is where you put the retarded friend. It's like right field <laughs> in Little League. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a little prejudiced towards this machine. So, uh, what kind of, what was your first one? My first bass was a, this, my grandparents, uh, like, bought it for me. It was a, like a red Yamaha. It was ridiculous. Um, I don't remember exactly after it. I had it for a year. And then, like, one summer I saved up enough money to buy, like, uh, Mexican Fender Jazz bass oh. that I still that's still what I have. Yeah. I what now. kind of amp did you first get? First amp probably was one of those awful crates. <laughs> yeah, we you always know, sound the like bass players box. always have to start off with these little amps where the drummer just beats the shit out of you. Right? Yeah, a, and then when you get a big enough amp to get over the drums, then the guitar player has to blast over your head. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a constant battle. So 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 what about the learning thing? To, or were you self-taught? How'd you do it? Off records? Uh, at first, I had friends that would sort of sit down and kind of like lend a hand as kind of teaching me some concepts when I was young. When I first started, I tried lessons for a bit, but the, the teacher was kind of a, a dick and I yeah. kind of just didn't want to keep doing it. He just seemed miserable and I was like, this, this is totally not no, fun. I think that's a big problem with a lot of lessons. It's the teacher. It's not really the idea of lessons. It's man... Maybe this cat should find another fucking job. Right, yeah, just definitely a miserable dude, which was, was not helping us at that age. You just sort of need some positive yeah. reinforcement, and you get deep into it. Absolutely, but, um, absolutely. 
uh, nurture, right? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, from there, it was like self-taught. And then later on, I started taking different lessons throughout the years, but um, all like sort of short-lived, mostly like people that um, I wanted to like learn from a bit. Well, like I asked you, gar- uh, garage band, basement band, bedroom band? Well, first it was like just doing like bad covers of what was on the radio that my friends wanted to play. And that's kind of how I learned to play. Yeah, there, yeah, me just, too. I learned off records too. But wh- whose pad was it? The drummer's pad? It was. It yeah, was the <laughs> they didn't want to move that shit all the time. Exactly. <laughs> right. The guy in the rear with lots of gear. That was a big mistake. Men and men should never put George Hurley in the back. He should. Last twenty years, I've always had my drummers up front. Get out of denial, people. It's rhythm music. <laughs> in fact, let me ask you this qu- question, Michael: four string guitar or four string drum set? Four string drum set. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, and these people talking all these chords and harmonics on the bass. I mean, there's a little bit of that, but really, we're doing little fucking drum patterns. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. When did you get hip to that? It took me fucking a long, half a lifetime. I'm, I'm. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I'm still. Behind. I'm still right there behind. Right, right. But you know what? I've been reading this Lewis Porter bio on John Coltrane to Peter DeStefano, half chapter at a time, and. He always saw himself as a student, so fucking John Coltrane can say that. It's okay. So did, yeah, did these right. bands ever do gigs? Uh, I think the first the first thing I was in, I probably played some high school like event, and then from there we never really did anything. But uh, what was the event like? That's your first gig. Uh, right? It was the weirdest, like in a cafeteria, like super bright lights. You know, like this <laughs> the horrible like cafeteria lights. Did they yeah, throw pretty, cafeteria chow at you? <laughs> I feel like we were a few minutes away from that. Okay, okay. So would you call it a success? Uh, I think looking back at it now, sure it was a success. I mean, I got up there and did it. I was I was a terrible player, but I, for some reason I thought it would be a good were idea. You, to were you afraid? Get up and do it. Oh, hell yeah. I oh did a gig. Gosh. Me and D. Boone did a gig, Bright Orange Band in 10th grade, and D. Boone's pop had to literally drive the pickup truck up to the stage and we jumped in because they're throwing rocks and shit as, you know, and like hardly anybody has these nightmares. <laughs> I had this shit in, in Minuteman and Firehose, uh, my solo band. Nels Klein getting hit with dirt clods opening for Primus, you know, backward baseball yeah. hat guys. Yeah, definitely. But and, and then use condoms and cups of piss, sacks of shit. Jesus too, Christ. All through the years. But people on the show had hardly anybody has this shit. I'll tell you what the worst, though, is was fucking batteries. They hurt. Yeah, it's a Philadelphia thing, for sure. <laughs> I think I got hit Chicago. They were putting cigarette things out in a, a Cabri Metro, right? And, and Hank's back. Me and Georgie had to peel them off the deck. You gave me this deviled eggs, I girl in the Ritz. I'm on a plane. Yeah, yeah.
Look out from the face and the lower kidneys. Your body moves, but I can't figure where your brain's at. Slow-mo, thank you. Again, do the streets move quick around you? I'm not going to call you. I might not call. I'm not going to call you. I might not call. I'm not going to call you. I might not call. I'm not going to call you. I might not call.
very special sound, a very special song, and a very special holiday. No tree for mama, no tree for mama this year. There's no money for toys, no money for presents. Daddy's taking all his cheer to somebody else in some other town. So he's sitting there with all this other family around the table with all the candles lit, eating turkey or ham or whatever, and Mama's feeling real down. No tree for Mama.
Elections, 
ago show, that chunk of music started off with the deviled eggs with I Girl at the Ritz. And then Bombas Prandon from D.C. area. No tree for Mama this year. Moldoman, Swing Baby, Jesus Swing. They're, they're, they're Baltimore, Moldoman. Healers, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You can tell there's a little theme going on here, people. Because <laughs> Crane with Christmas time. Finally, hello, duo. Live at the Red Room. we got to give a shout-out to Brother Bill Nace because Michael here is talking from the town he's living in. And we were just rapping about last time, I, a couple times I played there, Johnny Brennan's enlightenment. Michael, you helped make that happen. Yeah, yeah, I had a part-time job as like a laborer. I forget when. I was half the, half the month, week I was doing some voiceover recording half, the other half of the week I was destroying my body at that place. But yeah, me and another dude demo the entire the, the entire place, the top floor. He went in there right, because it was like a, a hotel for old drunks or something? Yeah, for a bit, for a bit, yeah. And then they knocked so out was, the overhead, they made it taller and stuff. It's a very unique uh, venue, people. Uh, the, you, they look down on you when you're playing. It's trippy, like a, a Shakespeare thing. Yeah. Now, speaking about building stages and shit, when uh, Dick Lloyd, uh, the television guitar, he said he, he designed and built that stage at CBGB. So I got two builders that have been on the show that I'm very indebted to. Thank you so much. So can, let me learn me about some of the stuff you gave me. You know, I, 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 I did the order you sent them in, so I don't yeah, know yeah. the exact sequence. Uh, what's Lanyard? Lanyard is a, I guess, a quartet of people from Maryland and some in Pennsylvania. So that was like the first band I played in. None of the, like, that was mostly playing other people. Yeah, music. off air people. Off. I got to tell the listeners off air. Michael's from originally from Baltimore. Go ahead. Um, yeah, yeah. So lanyard, that's a good. We used to make lanyards right out of this plastic strips. Like we're keychain fucking dongs. Yeah, yeah, that's what I know. <laughs> we, we needed a name, and we looked in it. We did that whole dictionary move where you opened the, the dictionary up and pointed at something. We did that a couple times, and I guess we weren't feeling super creative, so we stuck with it. Okay. It was, <laughs> Deviled eggs. Deviled eggs is a a band that I joined. They were a trio, and I sort of joined it a little later. Um, it was Wes Matthew and Tom Borum. And John Pace and I joined it like after they put out a bunch of cassettes. Um, I, I'm not gonna say like I ruined the band, but no, the the first cassettes were awesome, and I was psyched to get to to play with them because I went to high school with them. And uh, oh, yeah, so we you, played in Baltimore. Uh, you know about them already playing, right? Yeah, we would play with them with Lanyard, and like I would I would come back from college back to Baltimore to. But you play caught them, them in play the wrong uh, at the wrong time of their arc. Yeah, okay. maybe. I mean, toward the end of the band, but no, but uh, that happens, you know. You can't. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like graduating from high in '76, right? And, and what about Hello Duo? Hello Duo is uh, me and Dan Breen uh, did a duo at the at the Red Room. I mean, a lot of these are live because I mean, we didn't did a lot of like playing shows and and playing with people. We never really did proper recording, so I have a handful of live stuff so that was me and dan breen with it was just two upright basses just free improvised yeah uh, sh show oh so you moved from electric bass to upright yeah yeah it was a lot of uh, okay when that happened it happened around was i probably 19 i think so so still still kind of young yeah, and, still and, young. And where, yeah where did you get one i mean they're, they're fucking expensive 
Oh, you know, that's a great story. Um, I went to a hockey game and got predatory lended a credit card by MBNA. So, um, you know, at, at 17 years old, 18, you know, like a $25,000 credit limit, which I had no idea. But anyway, I bought a, a, I bought a $1,500 base at a guitar show. Okay. And um, wow, I felt like, you know, I was like, oh, who am I? But uh, so, yeah, because I wanted to learn it. We were going, we were driving to New York a lot and seeing a lot of shows at the, the Knitting Factory. And it was just. Oh, the one on Houston nice. or the one on Leonard? On Leonard. Okay. I saw yeah. William Parker speaking of double bass, solo, testament. Oh, the house awesome. went in, was sweaty, but he was bad. Man, yeah, listen, I mean, did you find it hard to play? I tried for yes, a couple absolutely, of years. Yes, absolutely, until, yeah, I mean, killed me. the bad bass, it's the thing, it's like, it's difficult, because, like, you, you buy a cheap bass, they're harder to play, and then you sort of learn how to, like, get the action to be the sort of lower, so you can kind of really get into it. Otherwise, it's... Really hard. Yeah, it's like running in the sand. And the, the critical thing is the sound post. I found out I had a plywood K one for a couple of years. I even made a a kill rock star single just to make myself learn it. But it was killing my hand. It was like, what? You're gonna have to stop. And, yeah, and, it's and then I seen these, you know, Mr. Ray Brown, Cecil McBee, and these guys are rocking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God damn. Oh man. And uh, do you still have it? I don't have that one, um, and I did have another one, but I, I'm in between bases at the moment, so which is unfortunate because I really need to get back into. Um, but you still got that old it. electric one, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's mostly what I've been playing. Uh, it's a jazz, M I M -M jazz, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I played a bunch of good bits. You know, there's something about a Fender, right? There's something if you don't set them up right, they're bunk, but they're pretty consistent. Yeah, I mean, I beat the hell out of this one, so it's a bit torqued a, a bit. So, but it's still, it's it's yeah. had it. Forever, Leo had so. it. You know, the guy never even played one, but man, he he did it. You know why it's called precision, right? Well, jazz is later, but precision because it had frets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, people, it's uh, end of the first hour, Christmas twenty twenty one, just Watt Pedro show, special guest Michael Barker. Hold tight for hour two. December 25, 2021, second hour, Watt Pedro Show.
shirt. Don't let no one think pussy. Or Nikki is a bad
Caesar. So start out the second hour with Blake, Pancake, S-Ball, Barker doing Live High Zero Festival 2002. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this was live too. Yeah, 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 totally. Okay. And then we had Crushed by Pimps, brand new uh, recording over from uh, England. Makes you think. The, the Ivory Mix. A brand new record from Primitive Ignorant, Amaya. Then Helvetia from their new album, Crooks Go in the Ground. And finally, Sharks with Wings, the Cornish Game Hens slash Gateway Music. That's a trip. Those are putting two things together that usually don't go. But yeah, that's what songs are for, people. That's why we all got to be not just players, but composers. So uh, enlighten me to this uh, four-way, the Blake Pancake Festival. Yeah, and this that's the High Zero Festival that's going on for probably 20-some years now in Baltimore where they put random people to improvise, and it's sort of a multi-day concert. And... You, you were a boy there, right? Do you remember a pad downtown called Marble Bar? Marble Bar? Marble Bar, no. Because that's a black flag played there, man. It was a heavy part near Fells Point. It was a heavy part of town. And uh, I think it was. My memory's bad. Okay, tell me about this festival. Uh, and, and what? The, the, this wasn't a band, right? It was a... Uh... No, this is just a one-off. This yeah, is just yeah. sort of like a good documentation of like the improvising the improvising with the bass that I was doing at that time. And, and, um, and you know, I had an improviser, Gino... Robert on yesterday and we were talking about this idea that improvising is like composing in the moment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Tell me your thoughts on that. I mean, it's nice to be in the, in the moment and kind of spontaneously make, I mean, there's lots of issues with it. Um, Sometimes people just play within their train tracks and there's a bunch of different directions happening at once. And a lot of times there's a lot of listening, but the spontaneity of it is, is what's really fun for me. Um, is there ever a dilemma? Like, who goes first? Sometimes, but honestly, um, I think people just have at it. Like, yeah, I mean, I was terrified at this show. Like, it was terrifying to me to put to do something that I was doing in, like with small groups to be all of a sudden play this concert with, I don't know, it wasn't a ton of people, but... But have you played with these cats before? I played with Helena, the, okay. the cellist a bunch and i have done some improvising with Catherine uh pancake as well but never in this kind of lineup so yeah okay kind of but you know hodge when i was doing my first stop with the drummer man said what you know be and i told him i was scared you know it's pants shit or peak shit in a peak analog he said look what being a little bit scared is like being a little bit excited Get the adrenaline buzz for sure. You're, you're into that? Okay, okay. I mean, I'm not into it, but you see, you see it afterwards, and you're like, okay, maybe I am into that. So. Well, you see some dudes, they're so cocksure, like they were born to do it. <laughs> Definitely not. I me. just wanted to be with my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted to be with D. Boone, and this all this happened to me. It was like always having to get up in front of the class and read a report, you know. You pissed your pants, you got a hard on it, it's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, look. Royal Majestic. This is a name for a project. Coral Reef Discovers My Hull. That, you know, my pop being a sailor. I love this. Let's listen. You know, Philly used to be a Navy thing.
show that chunk of music royal majestic with coral reef discovers my hull you could need a lot of stuff <laughs> and then organs out of ireland brand new uh, release from them furious return ray shin with teddy down at the dingy 
And then George Steele Total Ensemble with Untitled Number Two. Enlighten us, Michael. So, yeah, the Royal Majestic is just solo, like a solo bass project that I just made up a name for at the time. I think I can't even remember exactly where I was. I think it was in between Baltimore and Philadelphia when I was making that. Um, and Like, I'm going to make a one-man band. I think the best name would be Royal Majestic. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a humble thing. <laughs> yeah, it's super humble. I think it was a nickname uh, a friend was kept saying, call, I think, because my middle name is Roy, and would call him oh, Roy okay. as a joke. Okay. And then a somehow, some way, we, we got it to that. Because in a way, it's a double superlative, you know, like assless chaps. I mean, what other kind <laughs> of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Ain't as good as jumbo shrimp, but, you know, somewhere in there. <laughs> and and uh, oh, so... Now, what is this? Is it like four track or you use a pewter or, or? I was actually, that's just like a single take of, um, I just had like one of those old, I think it's DOD, like blue loop box guys. Yeah. And it was just me upright bass playing through like a uh, big muff pedal and just kind of making like a drone. And then I think I, if I remember it right. Yeah. And then there's like some, a lot of like fun with harmonics situation at the end. Um, you know the uh, what about bass with fuzz boxes? Do you, you lose the low end a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean they're working on ways. I feel like now nowadays they have like a we keep they're designing the circuits to be able to keep the low end in, but like a blend. Yeah, but back you know with that old green big muff, now I cut all the bass out. Right, right. That's it's what, total mid range wash, which is cool. Nice well, you know change, what cats but... used to do in the old days? They'd run two amps, one with the fuzz box, one with that. Ah, yeah. Brilliant. But then that's more shit to schlep. I know. That's the whole story <laughs> of this. Of this. You know, it's getting better, though. These glass Class D amps. I got these boxes from Brighton. This company, uh, Bareface, 1,200 watts, 40 pounds. That's from awesome. Massachusetts' Bergantino amp, 1,200 watts, 6 pounds. Damn. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't do that with the drum set yet, but. Okay, so, and, and, and like, you, you just uh, improvised in the moment, right? Or do, or do, you, yeah. do you make demos? or? No, I, that's improvised in the moment. Normally, it's like, with digital, it's sort of like you can just play and play and, and sort of kind of go back and go through. It's not like you're burning through tape or it's costing Absolutely. money. Same with the pictures, right? You don't yeah, have to exactly. develop so film, just, buy film. Yeah. Yeah, you can shoot at will and kind of, like, edit later and go so through it so of, it's not as precious it's just no, not as precious you're right you're right and there's a different aesthetic of course uh okay george steele toe ensemble yeah george steele toe was um is a group that brian osborne and jay dunbar made it together i think i could be doing it wrong but yes i met them at a show in philly around 2005 and then we just sort of got along and similar aesthetics so we just started hanging out and traveling up to New York, me and the, the guys from Sharks with Wings, which is Tom Clark and Mark Zajac. Um, and you we gave me some just... Sharks with Wings. We, we What's play, that? We get, you gave me some Sharks with Wings. Yes, we yes. We played it last uh, chunk of music, and like an idiot, I forgot to ask you about it. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's no worries. It's a trio of uh, Mark, Tom, and I, and uh, that was something we played for a bunch of years, and yeah, we did everything from free improvising to just sort of doing uh, 
like pieces like that where we just sort of blend a bunch of ideas you know we joke around like or call it part music at some point but part music yeah it's like yeah we're gonna play this part and then we're gonna play that part <laughs> and then we're gonna do another part you know and it's just it's too literal like, michael too little yeah, yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> no it's really good it's really good uh, of course so, you know what did popeye say i am what i am i mean fuck <laughs> right exactly the fucking the bush told moses that <laughs> <laughs> so george steeltoe is a was um starts with wings trio and then brian and jay brian is a drummer but and oh drop something and jay played bass and what two basses uh, we had saxophone no well we played all sorts of different stuff oh you that. trade off yeah we trade like sometimes it'd be two basses sometimes it'd be someone would take electronics sometimes somebody would play guitar and that was just we brian had booked time at a at a studio in like Williamsburg, I forget the name of it. And we just recorded for a whole day. And then he put out a record of one weekend of recording is on one side. And the other side is like another ensemble on the, on the other side. So I 95, hundred miles, Philly, New York city. Look, we're at the end of the second hour. People Christmas, 2021. This is Pedro show special guest, Michael Barker. Hold tight for hour three. December 25, 2021, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
show. Start off the third hour with Embarker. Ah, oh, I see the connect here. Kind of like the Roy Middleton thing. Fuck yeah, Jesse I'm not that Power. <laughs> <laughs> then the Ratchet Orchestra out of Montreal live. Uh, it's thrust, but they got the H in parentheses. So, fuck, you lost a watch. Mike, uh, Mike Adams in his, uh, his honest way. With Sunrise and finally number two Tortate. Hatchers. Enlighten us, Michael. Yeah, uh, fuck Jesse Powers. Just uh, first, I think the first song off a, of an LP I put out. Um, yeah, Jesse Powers, basically a cat killer. That right. <laughs> bo- bothered me. At, at some point, apparently, I had to name a song after it. But yeah. um, <laughs> and that's just me solo, my uh, punny name. And that's a pun rock <laughs> band. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just all electronics that, you know, that project's been mostly electronics. Let, let's talk and about this. The, the, the migration from bass to electronics. Yeah, I think it was through, like, the improvising and different people I was playing with, like uh, Charles Cohen and a few other people, and just sort of being around a lot of electronics. And, I mean, my dad and I built uh, a Pia theremin kit when I was, like, 18. You know, I saw, like... John Spencer play and was sort of enamored with it. Not necessarily the Led Zeppelin version, but uh, the the gimmick and and so we built one and that's kind of like my gateway into electronic music. I think um, the most popular use was a uh, good vibration, right? For sure, for sure. And I think that took Star a, Trek theme, kind of a gimmick, but man, I think it took some skill. There was two ladies that was proteges of that Mister Thur. Thur- for sure, what Clara Rockmore. I mean, yeah, that's right. Real... I played. Hank Rollins gave me some of her stuff, and it's like, whoa. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, this one, my my uh, the volume antenna, what didn't really work the way it should work. So it was there was no way I was playing this thing uh, as if it was a stringed instrument. It was more of a just a, a noise noise making device at the time. So and your pop so help, uh, your pop helped you build it. Yeah, my dad, well, he took it to work, and a, a guy at work sort of, it was sort of taught my beginning into, like, anything with electronics, and so he helped build and basically showed me a little bit on how to, um, you know, solder then, but I didn't stick with it. It was a little bit too tedious for me at that age, but later on in life, I, I definitely started doing a little bit more small electronics projects, but at the time, it was interesting. Um and you were building uh, devices to make the, not not really to work with the bass guitar, but on a, on their own. Yeah, on their own. Yeah, and not keyboard shit, right? Not keyboard shit. I mean, occasionally that you know I got into circuit bending for a while. Like, you know, in between jobs during that Johnny Brenda's time, I would circuit bend something and sell it on eBay to help pay for rent and whatnot. But because yeah, for stores you could get tons of stuff at the time before it really. Was picked through. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time in thrift stores. Collect a lot of answering machine tapes, but um, <laughs> yeah. You know I what? Out, yeah. Repurpose it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I put out a, I mean, Twig and Carly put out a, a, a recording I did of, I, I used to drive around delivering AV stuff, and for like five years I collected these, um, I collected the answering machine tapes and I made a compilation out of like a couple hundred that I had gathered and they, they put it out like a CDR out of it. And it was pretty, it was pretty great. Okay. So yeah, that was a lot of, 
Yes, hatcheries. Fuck, sorry. No, no, anyway. no. Continue. I didn't mean you cut you off, but that, that, that's no worries, kind no of quite a concept. So these were people's own fucking answering machine shit? Yeah, yeah. And some of them were like messages people left. Sometimes, you know how like when you didn't pick up in time, it would right. record your... And that, those were the... There's some classic stuff, <laughs> stuff there. Um, I know you're there, you motherfucker. Pick up the phone. <laughs> Exactly. Right, because answer machines were actually people buffers. <laughs> yeah, I mean they don't. Ex- you can't find those tapes anymore. They're all gone. Everything went digital. Yeah, yeah. The um, buffer, the buffer. Okay, ha- Hatchers. Hatchers is the current project with Brian Osborne and I, the drummer from Steel Toe, and that is like me on electronics and him uh, on drums, and it's basically like you know free improvising. Um, not not always free improvised, but mostly free improvised, um, usually higher energy, but I think one of these tracks is not. Speaking of uh, uh, Philly drummers, you know Jason from Bardo Pond? Yeah, yeah, Jason, for sure. Right. I I, I think he was helping Hot Snakes when I met him. He had, yeah. He had braided ponytails. Does he still have it? I think he does. <laughs> okay. last time I saw him. I mean, that's a tangent. You gave me this uh, Embarker, so it looks like... Uh, your proj collabing with somebody. Yeah, that's the new. one. That, yeah, that and Hatchers are the ones that are current. Okay, going. okay. Let, let's play Driving in Tampa.
when you read Gravity's Rainbow, they talk about how paranoia is this state of thinking everything is like connected or like seeing connections where maybe there aren't any. It's just like I always see that and I just want to always make that connection. Just the bridging of like different discourses to each other. materials themselves can be pretty inspiring for instance like this project just came out of the fact that I had access to spare piano parts how can I make something with them so it's just like me exploring the properties or like the the limitations or the edges the boundaries or how far I can push this medium and what its capabilities are The advantage of using sound over visuals is that, you know, visuals almost always have, like, a reference. Like, you look at anything, and then there's always going to be, like, a slew of associations with it. Like, cultural baggage. I know what kind of emotion this is supposed to elicit. Or With sound, I think there's a little bit more unexplored territory and freedom in sound. I try to think about creating a space where you don't know how to enter the sound necessarily and how to approach it and enjoy it or hate it even. I think in these kinds of moments of confusion, not knowing or not thinking, I think that's really great. Sound is uh, invisible, but it's very tangible. Sound dissipates. It doesn't really exist. Like So sound can only exist in a social context. Sound is just such a mysterious, cool fucking medium to work in. Yeah. I love novelty and discovery. For instance, taking the bare piano wire and marrying it with a bow or marrying it with you know, a mallet or something like that, and then like getting unexpected results. Like that is such a great feeling. It's just like you're discovering something, like you're doing something new for the first time. I guess that's like the kind of attitude I wish people would take into just doing things. It's like doing things for the sake of just having something new happen, something, just doing something instead of having it uh, fulfill some sort of function. should not be instrumental or, or like have a direct function you know when you're like oh this is my job like I don't want to veer off course like I want to do what I intended to do I think it comes from this like capitalistic drive that like I frame everything in what this is valued at what it's worth right 
So it's like important to do stuff that is not worth anything. Like what is the intention of art? It's kind of like beautiful that it's like so open-ended like that.
Watch for Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Start off with Embarker Newton with Driving in Tampa, live at Cyborg City. And which is probably the venue that Bonnie played you. Zone Infinity from their new record, Atomize Hatchers again with Continua. Victoria Shan is somebody the Brutal Sound Effects people crew turned me on to. The Den record EP3. And finally, M. Barker, Isolation Synonym. Okay. So we know a little about about Embarker, but what's Embarker with Newton? Embarker with Newton, that was just uh, Matt Raidman and I were friends for a while, and we would do a lot of, um, yeah, we'd play together here and there, but uh, we were doing a tour down to INC in Miami, and we just happened to play that night together. We had a decent recording of it, and that's kind of the story of that track. So it was just a tour band. Yeah, for that one, yeah. Okay. And and then some more Hatchers. And uh, what's the difference between this and number two tour tape and Continua? Continua is just like a more uh, uh, subtle, like a newer track. The other one was in the earlier days of our existence, so it was a little bit more freewheeling. And I guess was this it, one was is... It, was uh, it from tour? Uh, it was like a bunch of uh, rehearsals from before the tour so oh, he, okay. so he had made something new to take on tour to sell sure 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 okay. so, you know like a handful like maybe like 20 home dubs situation what do they call that merch yeah exactly <laughs> gotta do something we're, we're right, trying right, to right, right. eat something to sling uh, <laughs> yeah remember then, that you went to the event so yeah <laughs> right 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 and uh also i think it's people thinking man i can help these cats out if i do this because you know the maybe the promoter and they're not getting any part of the bar, so I can help them. And this and this embarker here, you say this is the current prod. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been mostly doing. That record, that it's a track of a record I worked on that I think I ended up releasing just right into the pandemic, but which is unfortunate because it was going to do a a tour right there at the end. Well, you right, get right to just postpone it. It'll come. Yeah, yeah. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find on the website, uh, sendhelp.org. People, S-E-N-D-H-E-L-P.org. Yep, and uh, there's a band camp, which is embarker.bandcamp. Well, you probably got links at that. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, right, right. And so, it's been two years since this situation has been. So, have you done anything in the meantime? I've only played a couple of outdoor shows that my friend Eugene organized in the in this courtyard of here in North Philly. We did a like some shows in quad sound, just but everyone could be outside and sort of like walk sure. around the space. But what about compose and record? Are you doing that also? Yeah, I've been working on um a bunch of new uh embarker tracks, I suppose that's what you call them. And yeah, I've actually been like working on some bass playing bass a little bit and writing some songs but i have no idea what, what you mean for as you've been doing this electronics you kind of put the bass on the back burner well i mean i still play it but it's as far as like making something with it that i you know that i'm not going to go out and play like a solo electro uh electric bass show like you're saying, uh, Florida, Jaco Pistorius. Yeah. <laughs> One time exactly. I conked at his brother's pad in Melbourne, Florida. Man, that was a trip. 
I can imagine. I, I should have been doing diaries back then because that this was a night you would not fucking believe. You could tell <laughs> there's something in the family. By the way, Robert got the bass back and gave it to the family. Uh, but yeah, yeah, solo bass, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, if it could be bass for bass, the thing is, we, I see it being trying to be a fake guitar or a fake, you know, whatever. If it would did just bass, you know, like we lost a big sure. cat, Robbie Shakespeare, right? That's bass. Exactly. You know, this thing where you play billion notes with 10 strings, I don't know. It's like Halloween, you know. <laughs> You're wearing somebody else's clothes, dude. Maybe one day a year. Yeah. Uh, when you get your new stuff, will you come back on the show and we can play it and talk about it? Awesome. Thank Definitely. you so much, Michael. People, it's been the Christmas edition of Watt Pedro Show 2021. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>